I invite you to open up your Bibles to 3 John. And, you know, when we think about it, you know, back in the day I would watch TV shows and like to do imitations. Anybody like to mimic people and imitate them? And, you know, my favorite, Rocky Balboa and, um, and Mick, the manager. And Mick, you know, he would, I just love Mick's voice because it just sounds so, you're a bum! You know, you need a manager, you know, and I just, I kind of just lived him and, you know, and just, so now when I go baseball and I talk to them and all that, the kids like to come up to me and when they strike out, I tell them, you're a bum, you need a manager, you know, and they have kind of fun with that stuff, you know, I did some other ones that you probably don't know, Dick Vitale, anybody know him, Dick Vitale, remember him, you know, it's awesome, it's magnificent, but I won't go into that, but, um, you know, when we think of the word imitation, oftentimes we think of this, something that's fake. You know, the benefit of being from New York City is you can get a Rolex for 20 bucks. Amen? <laughs> they'll sell you on the street. There's Rolexes everywhere in New York City. You can get them, just go to the street, they'll give you one for $20. Now, is it a Rolex? No, it's spelled differently. Something's wrong with it, something. Um, we were walking there a couple of years ago, and there was ear pods, you know, those Apple ear pods, and the guy was selling them. He had them all over the place, and Johnny wanted some, and I said, well, you know what? We buy them, two things may happen. One, they're probably not Apple earpods. But maybe they are. And two, if they are, they're stolen. You know, they come from somebody. But that's just the benefit of being from New York. You know, you get things like that, and there's things that are fake and, and, and true. So when we think of the word imitation, we don't like that. But I'll tell you one thing about imitations. It is the sincerest form of what? You ever been imitated? Huh? People make fun of me all the time. But, imit- but you know, the imitate, ever been imitated? I tell you, when your kids do it, it is so sweet. <laughs> Abigail knows me. Abigail's a little me, by the way. And um, every now and then I'll be studying and I get so excited about the text and I just can't contain myself and I just let this out. Ooh, I'm going to praise them. Yeah, and I'm just sitting there. Now, I don't know my kids are listening to me when I do that. And I'll just, I'll be studying something else and I'll see something in the Bible. I'll go, ooh, I'm going to praise them. So Abigail and I are playing cards one night and she got a really good deal. And she goes, ooh, I'm going to praise them. Just like me. It was flattery. That's beautiful. My baby's doing me. I mean, that is great. When, when, when we were um, first married and we had just a couple of kids at the time, um, um, Ellie and, and Johnny, we would always be in the car. We always traveled. We were always going around. Missionaries, don't you love it? We were always going around traveling and speaking in churches. And so one day we just see little Ellie go, come on, Jeremy, we're going to go into the car together. And she's playing daddy. She's playing mommy. And, and, and Johnny was Jeremy. They were playing Katie and Jeremy. It was so cute. They just even had our little tones and our little, you know, like, come on, let's do it. Let's go together. But that's what she would say to the kids. That's flattery. I like that stuff. You know, um, people say I sound like Sid the Sloth. <laughs> that's okay with me now I'm kidding around I don't, know, I don't even know how he does that but they, they say I sound like that I don't know what um, I was given a testimony I was all and one guy well, you sound like Sid the Sloth I'm like how, where does that come from but imitations are wonderful now when we see it in the Bible it has nothing to do with this stuff in fact I want you to look at 3 John you see the word imitate there and, and notice, notice what the word means here. 
It means to observe a course of action and then copy it for ourselves. And it is very natural for us to do that. We do that. As human beings, we copy other human beings. You say, that's not true. Well, when the Beatles came out and the Beatles started to sing, it was amazing that the very next day, kids in school had haircuts like the Beatles. If you look at the World Baseball Classic and you see uh, the team Puerto Rico, they all dyed their hair the same color and had the same thing. People like to mimic. You say, I don't mimic anybody. I'm my own self. Oh, yes, you do. You're wearing the same clothes and have the same haircut of thousands of others. <laughs> so you mimic more people than you think. And really, we ought to, we, 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 we by nature just try to observe people and we want to copy them and be like them. Remember the commercial when we were kids? I say we, you know what I mean? At my age, you know, be like Mike. We want to be like who? Mike. Who's Mike? Michael Jordan. Right? And I bought this, I didn't, I, I, you know, you, you buy the stuff, you still can't jump. You know what I mean? But, <laughs> but you want to be like them. Everyone wants to be like other people. But here's what, here's what John's going to say in this passage. We need to be very careful, very careful on who our role models are. In fact, we're going to look at this here and look at verse 11. He's saying this. He's going to tell us a, a consistent command that we have to be uh, worried about here. Look at this. Beloved, do not imitate what is what? Evil. Don't go down that path. Don't, don't imitate the people, and we studied somebody last week, his name was what? Diotrephes. Don't be a power hungry, don't be somebody who has to be a control freak, don't think of your own agenda above the welfare of other people, don't live like that. Don't, don't imitate those, it's interesting, evil is not really talking about just a person, it can be actions, things, the evil thing. Don't imitate those people whose lives are filled with evil. The athletes that people want to be. It's amazing. I, I got a kick out of this one. Johnny showed me there was, a, there was a soccer player from Sweden. He was one of the most famous soccer. I can't say his name. I'm not even going to try to say his name. But he's one of, one of the most famous soccer players. He comes to L.A. Listen what this guy does. He comes to L.A. and he writes, L.A., you're welcome. I'm here. Now, LeBron James got a hold of that one. And you don't mess with L.A. because who's his L.A. right now? LeBron James. I mean, it's all about him. Do you know what LeBron James does? LeBron James sends him a jersey of LeBron James and says, you know, I just want you to know who's here. This is my city. You know, sends him a jersey. What does the soccer player do? He signs LeBron James's jersey with his own name and sends it back to him. They're all filled with self. But how many kids want to be like these athletes? Be very careful who your role models are. How about the entertainers? You know, I remember growing up, Robin Williams. I loved him. I wanted to be like him. But who knew he was, his life was filled with cocaine and ended with suicide? Be careful, he's saying here right now, who you follow. We ought to not imitate what is evil. Why not go after those kinds of lives? You say, wouldn't it be great to have their money, but not their life? No. Because oftentimes it corrupts them. One person said it well about athletes. We hang heavy weights on thin wires. They have no character. And yet you give them all these things, millions and, and hundreds of millions, they can't handle it because they have no character. 
He says, be careful you don't imitate what is evil. Don't go after the evil things of the world. Don't try to be like the evil people of the world. Here's who you ought to be like. Look at this in the verse here. You ought to imitate that which is good. Have role models in your life. And it's okay to have human role models. The easy answer to this, this thing here is, I don't know what happened to our PowerPoint here. Boof, there it goes. You know, what, what is good? It's the easy answer to say we all should imitate Jesus Christ, right? That's the easy one. But who are the earthly role models in your life? I'll never forget one of the first professors I had in seminary, Dr. Turk, Ralph Turk. Guy from Chicago. You know, not much comes good out of Chicago, but this guy, this guy was really good. I'm sorry. I, I, just, I love picking on you, I know. But um, you, know what, you know what amazed me about him? I never saw anyone like him who loved his wife the way he did. I've never seen anyone love the Lord like he did. And I never saw anyone love students like he did. He cared about us. We weren't just a student. He cared about us. And I, I, and what I loved about him, here's was the best part of him. He had two Italian sons, two Italian kids, I mean. He had a son and a daughter. Um, and he said, Jeremy, I got a riddle for you. I have two Italian kids, but I'm not Italian. Can you figure it out? And I'm like, that's impossible. How does he have two Italian kids and he's not Italian? And I figured it out. He adopted two Italian kids. He loved me because I was Italian. He loved me as one of his own kids. He was like a father to me. I couldn't wait to introduce him to Katie. In fact, just before Katie came into my life, he had a heart attack. I thought we weren't going to be able to see him. He was in the hospital. We made a visit to go see him. Three days later, he was with the Lord. At the funeral, his wife said to me, oh, you got to marry that Katie. She's amazing. I'm glad he got to meet her. He was a role model. Fast forward 20 years later, just yesterday, I get a call from his wife. Hey, Jeremy, I'm going to be 90 this year. I'm planning my funeral. I love those calls, right? She goes, Jeremy, I want you to be a part of my funeral. Still wants me in their lives. Wonderful people. There are human. We ought to imitate those who are good, doing what is good, doing what is right. We ought to have these human role models in our lives. I didn't want to pick on Dave this morning, but I am. Because when I first met Liz, she can walk. Back then, remember those days? <laughs> but now she's struggling. But when I, I, I thank God for you guys. And, um, and I just praise the Lord because Dave is the example of what it means to be a husband in sickness and in health. Those are the people we ought to be looking at. No, they're not perfect. Believe me, I could tell you a few things about Dave. They're not perfect. But they're role models. And what he's saying here is this. We ought to be, it's, it's okay to imitate. In fact, the word is used other times in the Bible where we ought to imitate Paul as he imitates Christ and how we ought to imitate leaders who love God. He says, don't go after the ones that want nothing to do with God. Don't go after those kind of people. Follow the ones that do love God. Because here's why. Look at this verse. Look what it says. The ones that do good have been touched by God. They're of God. The only way that Dave could ever love his wife is because he's been touched by God. It's a relationship with God that makes the difference. But there are people, and this is, this is convicting here, the one who does evil, who has a habitual life of evil, who, who continues to do what is wrong, not just once or twice, but their lifestyle is characterized by doing what is wrong, 
Those people have not been touched by God. And here's what's convicting. Boy, I tell you, I, Monday I was mad at somebody um, in the world that doesn't know Jesus. Monday night I went to bed mad. Tuesday morning I woke up mad. I'm mad. I open up my Bible and I'm having my devotions. And in the devotions it talks about how people who don't know Jesus. And it says there, are you bitter about them or do you really care about their souls? Why was that on Tuesday morning? <laughs> Couldn't God wait another day for me to be mad? But oftentimes in our hearts, what do we do? We get mad at people who are not touched by God. And we should really care about their souls. He says, don't go after the people who do evil. They haven't been touched by God. They need to have a relationship with God. They have not seen God. They don't have a relationship with God. You say, are there any good role models in the Bible? Well, look at verse 12. Notice this guy here. How many of you heard of Demetrius? He's an interesting guy. We hear of him in Acts, which is, which is interesting, but this is not the same guy in Acts. This is all we know about Demetrius, which is interesting. The word means belonging to Demeter, the goddess of agriculture, or rural area. I would call this the goddess of Kansas, right? That's what Kansas is. <laughs> What's in Kansas? Nothing. Two things that are good that come out of Kansas. We all know what they are, right? I-70 and I-80. Get on them and get out of them. But here's this guy born in a pagan family, has a, has a pagan upbringing, but he's been touched by God. And notice what he is. I love this. He has a good testimony. You know what that means? He is well spoken of. That when people think of Demetrius, they, they speak well of him. You say, who speaks well of him? Where is he getting this testimony from? Notice this here. This is, this is a threefold testimony that I pray that all of us have by God's grace. Look at this. Demetrius has a good testimony from who? The first one. From everyone. Now, wait a minute. Let me ask you a question. Does everyone like you? Huh? Not everyone likes me. I know that shocks you. And I'm going to tell you a secret here. A lot of people don't like me. Go knocking on doors in this neighborhood. You're going to find a few of them. Not everyone is in love with Jeremy Estrema. Right? Katie, by God's grace, is. <laughs> and sometimes I say that's all that matters, her and God. It doesn't mean that everyone liked him. That's not what it's saying. Because if we take it like that, we're going to do everything we can to make everyone like us. We are going to dumb down our relationship with God because we don't want to offend anyone and we're going to just want everyone to like us. That's not what it's saying. What it's saying is this. People inside the church and outside the church, everywhere, everyone, people outside and inside, when they thought of him, they may have not liked what he stood for or liked with this, but they could not question his integrity. I like that. Well, I like what Worsby said. Don't worry about what people say about you. Worry about your character. Because if you worry about your character, God will take care of your reputation. But sometimes we're so worried about our reputation, what people think, so we dumb down and we don't want to offend anybody. No, that's not what it's saying here. He's saying he's getting this testimony. He's well spoken of by everyone. <laughs> this blew me away about Grandpa Tom. Because we all like Grandpa Tom here in the church. What a beautiful man. Just loved the Lord, loved people. You just wanted to be in his presence. 
What blew me away is when he was about to die and he's in the hospital and some guy that worked with him was on his knees crying and, and thanking Tom for giving him a chance in life. Grandpa Tom had a testimony not only in this church, he had a testimony from people outside. This Demetrius here had a good testimony from all and, and, and notice this the next thing. This is so important. We know he didn't dumb down what he believes because watch what it says here. He had a good testimony not only from everyone, he had a good testimony from what? From the truth. You know what this is saying here? He's saying if truth could speak, if, if, if truth had a voice, if it could speak, it would say, you know what? Demetrius is the real deal. He is somebody who lives what he believes. I like that. He's not a fake. There's no dichotomy in his life. He is the real deal. He's not a chameleon like a lot of people are. They're, 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 they're good with one group and then they're good with another group and they're good with another group and they're good with another group and they're good with all the groups. They're just chameleons. No, this guy was a man of truth. He has a good testimony of the truth. He knew his Bible. He lived the Bible. And, and the Bible could say that this is a man who lives out truth. I love that. Because I'll tell you, one of the things, if I could pick on missionaries today, and I don't know why I would. I have no reason to, right? It's very hard for them to remain the same people with every group. The pressure is on to compromise and to be two different people. God help us. The pressure is on for everyone when we go to work or go to different places to be to what that group is and not be who we really are. The pressure is on, and notice him. He has a good testimony, not only from, from everyone, but he has it from the truth itself. Can the Bible say about us that we are the real deal, that we're living what we believe? And notice the next thing. If that isn't exciting, he, he, John goes like this, and we add our testimony too. We're, we're apostles, we're leaders, we're ones that have been with Jesus. And we say this guy, Demetrius, is the real deal. He really is. And by the way, let me just let you know something. What we say is true. We're not lying to you. So, so the question is, is before we start following other people, we ought to ask ourselves, how is their testimony? Are they imitating what is right? Are they doing what is right? Are they living for God? Then we got to ask ourselves this about our lives. Am I doing what I ought to be doing for God? Now, this is so important. Somebody says, you know what? I just want a great testimony. I want to have a good testimony. Well, John's going to mention a couple of things here in the next couple of verses here that are going to help us with this. If we really want to have a good testimony, notice a couple of things right here in this passage in verse 13, what he says we ought to do. This is a great verse to send to your wife on Valentine's Day. I don't want to give you a card so because uh, it says right here, so I'm just going to send you a text. Amen? Would that work? Probably not. All right, watch this here. Look at this. The first thing we ought to do is desire the presence of other believers. I love this. I had many things to write, but I do not wish to write with what? Pen and ink. Now, we talked about this verse before because it's mentioned in 2 John. What he's not saying is we never use pen or ink or we never send messages. He's not saying that. But he's saying this. Um, and sometimes when we do write things in pen and ink, it's amazing when we go back to them. Isn't it exciting? When we go back to love letters and stuff like that, we read them and they make us emotional. It's amazing things that, that people have written. It's not what he's saying. He's saying this. We ought to desire this. This ought to be our lives. But I hope to see you, what, shortly, and we speak 
face to what? Literally in the Greek, you remember what it was? Mouth to mouth. Now don't go around kissing people on the mouth. That's not what it's saying. It's saying having that intimate, personal relationship with people. Being in the presence of other people. There is nothing like being with other people. It helps us to elaborate on what we say. Let me just say something. Text messages are good. They serve some purposes. But autocorrect messes us up. I called Rick Lucy the other day. Yeah, I don't know. I thought I was Ricky. I don't know how Lucy came up in the message. I really was embarrassed one time when I wanted to tell somebody to give me a second and autocorrect changed it to sex. You got to be very careful. You know what's great about being in person? You can elaborate when you say something. You can clarify when you say something. You can be there. It is amazing about being face-to-face. So we ought to desire being in the presence of this. Notice this next thing. I love this. We ought to desire peace for other believers. Look at this in verse in verse 14 here. He says this. He says, but I hope to see you shortly and we'll speak face-to-face. Peace, notice this, to you. Why is that important? Because there's different kinds of people in our lives. There are those who are peace fakers. They tell you that there's peace, but there is no peace. They fake peace with you. They, they, they tell you everything's okay, and then a few months go by and they ram you. They rip you to shreds. You're like, I thought we were at peace. No, you, we were never at peace. They are peace fakers. There are people that, that tell you, promise you things, but really it doesn't happen. Then there's people, I'll tell you, uh, that we know that are peace what? Breakers. They love to fight. These are the ones on social media that just love to find something and just beat people up. They are, they are fighters. Nope. We are peace what? Makers. And you know what he's saying here? He's saying, Gaius, in a church with a diatrophies, who robs people's peace. Let me tell you what Diotrephes does to churches. Robs our peace. Where it's hard to sleep at night when somebody is like that and making those false accusations. Here's what he says. I want the spiritual well-being of you. I pray that that's our hearts. That when we come in here, we want the spiritual well-being of other people. We want them to have peace. Peace with God. Peace with others. Peace within themselves. And that only comes from having peace with God. He says, I want you to have peace. Now, this is where it gets beautiful. Notice this. Usually we just read a couple words there and we close up the book. But I don't want you to miss this. Because this is the only time you're going to see this in the whole New Testament. Watch this. He says, our friends... Or the friends, what? Greet you. Now, now this is interesting. You know why it's interesting? Because in the Bible it says that we're the family of God and we, we are other believers and we call each other brethren and all that. And we call each other brother and sister. But how often do you call people in the church your what? Friend. This takes this to another level. We are not just part of the family of God. That's great as it is, and praise God for that. We are, in this place, are you ready? Friends. 
Well, only one amen. I only got two friends here. All right, well, we're friends. Amen. At least I got two here, all right? Luke, will you be my friend? I got nobody else here. <laughs> when you call someone a friend, it changes things. I mean, it's amazing when Jesus said to him, you know what? He says, he says no greater love is that than this, that a man lay down his life for what? For his friends. We are friends. I'll tell you the best part of being down in, in Cuenca was having my friends from Argentina. Somebody asked me this question. This was a tough one. What do you like living better in Argentina or do you like living in the U.S. better? I said, it depends. When I'm in Argentina, I want to live in the States. When I'm in the States, I want to live in Argentina. But you want to know the hardest part about not being in Argentina? My friends. And let me tell you what happened. My friends are jealous in Argentina of my friends here in the States. You know why? Because we have something they don't have in Argentina. Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> We've never had a donut together down there. There's no Dunkin' Donuts. How do you live in a country with no Dunkin' Donuts? I was so tempted to start one. As a ministry, of course. Here's how God answers. 2006 to 2015, never sat down and had a donut together. They see me here, we're having donuts together all the time with my friends. They said, oh, I always, oh just to have a donut with you would be great. We meet up in Cuenca. We go on a tour bus. Are you ready for this? We go on a tour bus. This is how great God is. We end the tour bus and we say, you know what? We're so hungry. We need a coffee. Let's go to a coffee shop. We walk into a place and what's in the place? A Dunkin' Donuts. Isn't that great? And me and my Argentine friends, we walk in there. Give, them, give us everything you got. Give me all. I want them all. You know what I mean? We get this dozen donuts. I mean, the donuts are huge down there. It was a beautiful. And we're chomping on donuts for the first time. This is great. Their first time. My like, I don't know how many times. <laughs> there's, there's something about having friends. Somebody say, well, the church, they are my friends. Oh, yeah? Well, here's the test. Do you know them by name? We are to greet them by what? Name. Now don't miss this. Because I know we have hard times with names. And praise God, in the church we can get away with it because we can call them what? Brother or sister. Alright? How you doing, sister? Oh, good to see you. How you doing, brother? Great to see you. I don't even know his name. I've been here three years. I don't even know his name. I'm embarrassed. And then we get embarrassed, right? We don't want to ask them their names, right? So there's been different things that we've done here. We've actually had name tags to kind of help people. But even that's embarrassing. How you doing, sister? And we're looking at the name tag. Yeah, they know we don't know the name. There's something about calling people by their name that shows that you care about them. Yes. It's a beautiful thing. It lights up the place. And to remember their name. I'll never forget when a guy got saved here years ago and he was crying on how much the church loved him. And he said, this church has been so good to me. My life has changed. I've come to Jesus. Hey, you guys have embraced me. I am your family. You love me. You're amazing. And Chalmer looked at him and said, so what's your name? <laughs> Killed the moment. So now we have a joke with the guy. We call him, what's his face? You know, you know his name. He says, I want you to do something. The friends greet you. There's a relationship here. And I want you to greet the friends by what? By name. 
have a personable relationship with people. Church is not about coming, sitting, listen to a sermon and some dumb jokes and leave. Church is about family and about friends. And if we can't call each other friends, where are we going to go for that? We're going to start imitating the evil ones out there, the ones that don't want Jesus and call them our friends. No, this is where we need to be friends. And we need to look at each other and say, hey, how you doing today? And mention the name. Say the name. Or ask them nicely. So what is it? What's the name? I forget too. I, I forget times. And here's the, here's the question for today, and this is important. If, if I were to say to my children, be like him or her, could I point them to you? We have, a, we have a, a bad role model in the life of one of our children right now. And Katie is an amazing mother. She told, she told our child, she said, you know what? This person is like this, this, and this. And then, you know, Katie doesn't mess around. She preaches. She looked, she pointed her finger and says, you don't be like that. You be different. But let me ask you this. Could I say to my children, you ought to be like Dave. You ought to be like this one, Walt. Can I point to you? Now, here's even more convicting. Could you tell your children to be like me? With all the bad jokes? <laughs> and all the stuff in my life? You see, we need role models. We need Demetrius in our, in our churches. We need people who, when we're inside and outside the church, they're well spoken of. We need people where there's no dichotomy. There's no one thing in the church and another thing outside. We need people that leadership and other godly people can say, that is somebody you want to be like. So are you that person that we can point them to and say, you know what, that's someone you should follow. Forget about that soccer player. Forget about that entertainer. You be like so-and-so who loves his wife no matter how sick she gets or no matter how hard it gets. You be like that. You be like that professor who cares about his students and not just mentions his students. He cares about them, calls them by name, knows them. You be like that one who smiles. I'll never forget, we were in one church and I preached a message. I thought it was an amazing message. And some lady came up to me afterwards and said, I told my daughter to be like your wife. Your wife is amazing. I was like, what about my message? No, no, my message. <laughs> we need to be that where we look at our kids and you say, you see that? That's how you ought to be. That's a believer. That's one who loves God. That's not one who's perfect, but that's one who loves God. I'll never forget. <laughs> I was in Peru for nine months and didn't even know Spanish well and preached the gospel to a few people and then I came home and went to seminary and I, I'm feeling sorry for myself thinking I'm a bum and all this stuff and I get a letter in the mailbox. That was back when you got letters. And it said in the letter, Jeremy, you never know how you're going to impact lives. Some family here in Peru just named their son after you. I don't even know who it was. I don't even remember being there with them. God did. They're watching us. 
and they're seeing role models. Are we pointing them to Christ or are we pointing them to the world? God help us to be a Demetrius. Let's pray. Our Father, as we look at this passage of Scripture, I pray, God, that we would be the kind of person that people can talk to their children about and say, you know what, you need to be like them. Our love for you is clearly seen. Our love for our spouses and our children, our love for other people. Help that, Lord, to be a model, a role model to other people. It's so easy for the young people in this world to look at the TV or look at different things in the Internet and want to be like those people because they're seeing hypocrites in the church. So God, cleanse our hearts, change our lives, and help us to be the real deal. Help the, the wonderful children that you've brought to this church to look at us and say, I want to be like that. Not because we're perfect, because we're far from it. But because we love you and want to live for you. Thank you in the midst of a church dealing with a diatrophies that there was a Demetrius. Somebody who was the real deal. I thank you, Lord, that there are those people around us. I thank you for people like Dave. That it's easy for him to make that vow that I'll love you in sickness and in health. But right now he is living it. Thank you for the examples we have. Thank you for the Ricks in this world, Lord, who got away from you but now are living for you and, and love you and loves his wife. Thank you for the Katies. I thank you so much for my wonderful wife and her example to our children and her love for you and her love for people. I thank you for Rob and the Robs of the world that, that love youth and love and Barbara and Maya and just pouring their lives into people. And God, just thank you so much for that. For the Kim and Debbies that, that love little kids and want to see them to come to Christ. Lord, there's examples right here in our midst. Help, help others to see it. And help us, Lord, to live for you all the more. We pray this in Jesus' precious name and for his glory. Amen. Amen. Hope you would stand with us.